0: Listening Dog Media.
1: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
2: The Offside Rule, we get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan and a Liverpool fan.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Offside Rule podcast, we get it. We are rattling through these, aren't we Kate Borsay? We certainly are,
1: suddenly they just creep upon us.
0: So we both looked at our watches and we thought it's time, not not our watch would give us a good indication but hey, Um, we thought it's time for a guest. Good morning. Mm-mm. Should we do guess the voice? <laughs> <laughs> For people listening on their daily commute. Maybe say a
3: few words.
0: What have you done this morning?
3: Uh, this morning I have got the train into London to be here. Uh, I'd be anywhere. Fun. A club in London. Oh, that's quite a new venture, though, isn't it? It is a new venture, and I've played for quite a few clubs in the news game. Mm. Yes, I think
0: people will know because you're, you're actually, your voice is really recognisable as well. <laughs> Casey Stoney joins us. Thank you so much for coming in and Good recording morning. the Offstar this me. week. Um, it's brilliant to have you in. We're going to have a chat, obviously. We're not going to waste having you here. We're going to ask you about this move to London and everything else that's been going on a whirlwind few weeks for you. Uh, but we're also going to talk, as
3: normal, about a few different topics for the podcast. You do listen, actually. Don't you? I do, yeah. I listen. I listen quite a lot I think it's interesting I think for me I listen to anything that's talking about football so it's fantastic to hear women talking about football and, and know what they're talking about exactly well, allegedly
1: yeah. <laughs> we've got need no, we to we keep do. up
0: to now uh, we'll go on to topic three this is what's coming up we're going to have jobbing footballers and this should be something I think you will know more, more than myself and Kate certainly with the women's game but we know the famous story of Ricky Lambert used to work in a, a beetroot factory that one gets <laughs> given out time and time again by commentators and things we were thinking of more examples of that. So one from the men's and one from the women's game of footballers who used to do a different job. Not something post-career, because that might be another topic in forthcoming weeks. Uh, we'll have a chat with your good self as well. But we'll start with topic number one, the manager merry-go-round. What on earth is happening at Fulham? It's like Fulham have become Leeds United from a few <laughs> weeks ago.
1: Uh,
0: it's uh, it's them giving Renee mullins Mullins-Dean the sack. Or maybe they haven't because he now seems to be back in the backroom staff as a head coach. But anyway, Felix Magat is now in charge. Uh, they've had a fourth manager in less than four years. So we think that they've got a bit of a problem issuing P45s. They're running <laughs> out of paper. Uh, we want two other examples of clubs who've got through a number of managers in a short period of time from across the world. You can pick any club from any professional league. Usually we go to Haley McQueen first. As she is absent, I'm going to go
1: to Kate Borset. Oh, I am honoured. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to start with Manchester City in 96-97 when, including caretaker managers, they got through five managers in a season. In fact, if you look at just the year 1996 or the uh, period from August 96 through to the end of the year, they, they got through uh, three permanent managers. In August, uh, Alan Ball left uh, and Steve Koppel, uh, who still holds the title of the shortest serving manager in Manchester City's history. He took over. He only lasted a month from October to November. Um, caretaker manager Asa Hartford, who'd come in before him, had lasted longer. Then caretaker manager Phil Neal Um, Again, he stayed longer than the permanent manager Steve Koppel's entire reign. Doesn't say much for Steve Koppel's uh, uh, reign here at Manchester City, does it? Until eventually Frank Clark was hired just before the end of the year. So a fantastic array of managers there at Manchester City from uh, 96 through to 97. You've got to hand it to them, haven't you? A a series of caretaker managers who are in charge for longer than some of the permanent managers there. And you'd like to think as well that this might stop. It was a one-off. But I can imagine with
0: Manchester City in years to come
1: (laughs) there might be another turnaround Uh, but
0: Pellegrini doing very
1: well at the moment yeah he is and I think things have slowed down at Manchester City I think you know it's difficult, isn't it? But amongst the top flight clubs, it does seem to be that stability rules. Um, and maybe that's because they can afford to have stability, whereas teams at the bottom, a bit like Fulham, might argue that they can't afford to try and back stability because when you're bottom of the league, you have to take urgent action. And that's, for example, what Fulham have just done. You've got to get out of it. Mm. Casey, we'll go for one of yours next.
3: Well, I was going between Chelsea and Tottenham. But then one cropped up for me that that kind of stood out. So I've gone for Jesus Gill at Atletico Madrid. He was in charge between eighty seven and two thousand and three and he sacked thirty eight managers during this time. Which 38? I just think. Thirty eight, which is incredible. And by the way a certain number of managers got sacked twice Oh, Um, (laughs) Oh so it wasn't a one-off he didn't just sack 38 managers he actually sacked the entire youth academy closing the institution which included the legendary striker Raul and he even sacked Radomir Antic who won a historic league and cup double so even he didn't survive the chop after doing that this
0: guy's ruthless. Do you think he really was a secret supporter for the big rivals? <laughs> I don't well, know.
3: Something was going on. He hated Real Madrid, but in this, this, this le- reading all this, I think he actually hated his own club. So,
0: <laughs> you know. It's like a self-destruct button there that I think he might have pressed. Um, I'm glad that you went abroad. I also went abroad for one. Um, bear with me with this. My German's not the best. I actually have a German friend and she always says that my um, pronunciations aren't that great. So let's go with it. Uh, Bundesliga. Um, Hanover 96 you might know the team Um, so this is two spells so from 2004 to 2006 they got through five managers in fact it could be six when I was counting through because there were conflicting websites I have done my research for this one Uh, Slonka then there was Linen and Frontzek then in 2005 Peter Nurea if that's how you say it. Uh, Michael Schomburg was an interim manager. Then September 2006, Dieter Hecking finally took over. I do know him quite well, so I can say that Dieter one. Hecking? Dieter Hecking. <laughs> um, it sounds like something from Hello, Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you need to do a sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then 2009-10, thankfully for this Hecking's still in charge uh, but he resigned <laughs> well, thank Hecking for that <laughs> <laughs> uh, three managers in one season Andreas Bergman and then Mirko Slomka who was quite successful there and he held on to the reins for a while um, but just one of those clubs that seemed to just get through a few managers in little stints throughout the club's history and if you go on to their Wikipedia page I'm not saying that's the source of all of my knowledge By the <laughs> way before Kate Borsay gives me the evils I did cross-examine <laughs> she's ruthless like this Casey <laughs> Um, but there are if you go through the list of coaches there are loads of them and I think this is just me taking a hunch they must be one of the clubs that have got through more perhaps not as many as Atletico Madrid <laughs> but than most other teams it just it looked crazy
1: when I was looking through. Um, You've got another one, Kate. Newcastle, if we look at uh, the calendar year of 2008, they managed to get through five managerial changes. Sam Allardyce left in January 2008. In steps, caretaker manager Nigel Pearson before Kevin Keegan took charge a week later. Uh, Keegan had gone by September 2008. Chris Hewton filled in on a temporary basis. The next permanent manager was Joe Kinnear, who took over in September 2008. He of course made a glorious return back to the club and an inglorious exit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your other one, Casey?
3: Um, The other one for
1: me, obviously I've
3: got a little bit of a link uh, because my previous team, Lincoln Ladies, is now Notts County. Um, Is Notts County. They're actually on their seventh manager since February 2010, Mm. which pretty much means they've been through two managers a season for the last three years. They
0: have rung the changes. I mean, there was Paul Ince in there at one point, Sven and Eriksson was there, Mm. wasn't he, at one point? I think it's a
1: mixture of finance, isn't it? But then also, isn't the guy in charge very... Ambitious and, and yeah, very, it's very, very true. who's the
3: chairman because mm. he was actually chairman of our club too. Mm. Um, we went through three managers in three seasons <laughs> uh, in the women's team as well. So yes, I think I think he is very ambitious. I think when Sven came in, they had kind of ideas of grandeur and Premier League football, and it never quite worked out because I'm not sure they invested heavily in the players as they, much as they did mm. in the managers. Hence why they they sort of didn't do well. But you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, that the current manager will will have some stability and and hopefully stay there for for the long. Longevity of the club.
0: You must have been there as well when they signed. Sol Campbell went to the club. Do you remember that? I, I do. Was that was a working little bit, in the area. Um
3: a little bit strange, yeah. You know, I think it was the the Sven, then the Sol Campbell, and I suppose it's good for media and PR, isn't it? And you know, when you're you're kind of down there, I suppose they need they need as much coverage as they can. But you know, Ray is an ambitious manager, and he isn't very patient. So if the results aren't going their way, then the manager gets the sack. I share something with Ray.
0: <laughs> I'm a Taurus. We're not very you're not patient, me, are you? Oh. <laughs> no. um, let's go on to Mike. My- this is actually not uh, an owner that's getting rid of lots of managers. This is a club. Do you mean to say that you've changed the rules again? This is <laughs> my turn, turn this week.
1: surprise, surprise, Casey. Lindsay actually writes the topics and then moves then she, the and then she unwrites them. <laughs> Borsey, pipe down, you do this all the time. Um, Grimsby
0: Town, I've just decided to go for this. They are called, if you go through lots of different fan blogs and pages and lots of different forums on the internet, which I like to spend my spare time doing, and there's something called the Grimsby Reaper <laughs> because I thought West Brom were one of those teams where you don't want to face West Brom no. because then you manage gets the chop. We've, we all know that happened. But Grimsby, I didn't realise they actually are the team you don't want to face. You face Grimsby, you get in the sack. This happened. This is since 1997. I can't go through them all. There's too many. Uh, Graham Sharp got sacked from Oldham. Steve Bruce got sacked from Huddersfield Town. Gordon Strachan sacked from Coventry City. George Burley sacked from Ipswich. This is all after they've played Grimsby. Trevor Francis from <laughs> Crystal Palace. This one, just a few hours later. Uh, Jimmy Quinn from Shrew- got sacked from Shrewsbury. Terry Butcher from Brentford. Colin Todd from Darlington. There were three in 2013, last year alone, starting with Brian Laws. All yes. of these managers have come a cropper mm. against Grimsby, and I wanted to point that one out. Am I, I forgiven for changing the Yeah, no,
1: no, no. That one is very good. And um, I think it's the fish and chips. Really good fish and chips in Grimsby.
3: Yeah, well, it's... it's um, it is grim. That. I was just that about was to say I, was about I have to say, to say that because I've been there a few times with work and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, fish and chips is good but I'm not sure there's t- too much else going on there. So, we'll All both those
1: Grimsby followers are going to be clicking unfollow on your Twitter account Casey as they put a black mark
0: against your name. We'll both be getting the stick because I have to say on my reporter's travels it's the worst place I've ever been
1: and I don't care oh, about the fish and chips. Grimsby. Sorry. I'm with you Grimsby.
0: <laughs> Kate Borsay fighting your Cause.
1: Hi, I'm Darren Goff, and you're listening, believe it or not, to three gorgeous women talking about football. Now, football and women. I'll leave it with you.
0: Uh, We are going to move on to have a bit of a chat now with Casey because we thought we will get rid of one of the topics, it seems silly not to. Um, I think lots of people listening to this already will be screaming, we want to know what Casey thought about all the recent media coverage. You you obviously publicly came out as gay. It got so much press, it ended up in Germany, all around the world people were reporting it. Did
3: you expect that response? Not at all. Um, I kind of thought it would be a bit brushed under the carpet or I suppose I was hoping it would be brushed under the carpet because I didn't know what the response would be in my head response was going to be very negative uh, because that's always why I, I hadn't done it mm. I hadn't gone public uh, there was a lot of fear you know I'd done it I didn't do it for me because obviously I've, I've been out a long time to my family and friends um, but you know, having spoke to to people in the media and, and realizing there's still a lot of homophobia in the world and and still a lot of issues, I felt that you know it was my time to to tell my side of the story so that I could help others really mm. and, and hopefully make other people feel comfortable like I do in my own skin really.
0: I know. I'll let you jump in in a second, Kate. As well, I just wanted to say I know because I was following you on Twitter at the same time. You were watching that horrific program about the Russia Winter Olympics and and what they're going through over there it was all for that program that was on channel four and did was that a little bit of the it was
3: yeah i suppose everything like that adds up and when i watched that i've got to be honest i struggled to keep the tv on because it was it was horrific viewing i felt you know so sorry for the people and but so grateful that i live in this country where you know it is a little bit more accepted you know we are a bit more of an accepting nation and, and so we should be people shouldn't have to live in fear like that people shouldn't be hunted because of the, the, their sexuality or the people that they love you know that That I couldn't believe it when I was watching yeah, it it made I me feel sick you know so so watching that and then doing the interview a week later um, I'm so glad I did it you know the response has been overwhelmingly positive you know there's there's been very very few negatives and the amount of people that have, have messaged me saying that I've helped them mm. you know it's just made it all worth it and, and for me it's about other people it was never about me
1: Um, The Independent named you um, as 50th on their um, pink list, which is like an influential list of Mm -hmm. gay and lesbian people. That was back in November 2012. What was that like for you? Because, of course, you hadn't sort of publicly come out then. Were you sort of mortified when you saw that? And like, where's this come from?
3: I got asked whether I wanted to go in it um, Mm. by the FA. Someone had contacted them and said, would Casey mind going in it? And I was kind of like a little bit mortified that people had stereotyped and judged me before Mm. I'd even, you know, come out. But I assume that, you know people talk and it's a it's a small world the football world so Mm. you know I was happy to go in it um I was kind of a bit dumbstruck when I opened the page and it was half a page picture because I was kind of hoping that I'd go in the background and that you know it wouldn't be noticed because again I was you know fearful of stereotypes and and judgments so you know and then a year later I moved up to 37th and I suppose it's something that if people read it then they'll pick up on it but if people don't read it they won't so Mm. you know when I was asked by the BBC by um one of their they columnist columnists to do this piece. I thought it was just going to be a column because I write for them anyway. Um, and when he said, no, we're going to bring a camera crew, I was kind of like, right, okay, we're going all in with this yeah. one. Then we might as well do it all the way. So I was very open. I think I was very honest. I think I kind of bared my soul a little bit. Um, but, you know, it's all been worth it and I'm glad I've done it. And it's out there now and people know who I mm. am. No one can say anything now.
0: I'm not for a minute going to say that it's been easy what you've just done. I think it's been very brave but do you acknowledge that if a, if a guy was to do that from the male game, it, it sort of would be even more so? Because-
3: Absolutely. It's a different world. They live in a different world than we do. Um, they are highly scrutinised, they are highly under pressure every single weekend, you know, they have 40,000, 50,000 people in their stands ready mm. to give them abuse mm-hmm. if they make a bad pass, let alone if they, they came out as a gay player. So, you know, it's it's a different landscape. You know, I, I, it was hard for me, but for a male player to come out I think it would be extremely difficult, I think it would be extremely brave. Mm. And that's that's the point is that you are currently
0: playing so that makes you the most high profile person that's done it.
3: Active, foot-
1: yeah, yeah, active footballer.
0: yeah. Whereas with a lot of the men that we do know that have later on or they've gone out of football or they've moved abroad, do you see a time coming when someone playing in the Premier League or maybe in the Championship
3: will do? I'd like to, because I'd like to think that that will be the time when, we're, when we're living in a world of acceptance, we're living in a world where prejudice isn't a problem anymore. You know, whether it's your sexuality or, or your skin color, it shouldn't matter. You know, mm. people should be judged on their performance on the pitch, not what they do off of it.
1: Can I ask whether you're concerned that this is that now this is out and it's made such big headline news? Whether you're concerned about being known as the gay footballer Casey Stoney, who's also won a few things in her time. And whether, you know, whether you're concerned about being labelled as that rather than Casey Stoney, what a great footballer. Oh, and by the way, she's gay.
3: I'd love it to be the latter. Obviously, it's a concern that I'm now the gay footballer um, because it was never about that, you know. But so many messages have been like, so what? She's a great player. And Mm. that's what I want people to stick to. You know, I, I kind of woke up yesterday morning and I was like, right, back to normality. Football is what I do. You know, I'm out there to play and I want to be judged on playing. You know, that that for me is behind me now. You mm-hmm. know, uh, it, it's old news. It should be fish and chip paper now and we should move forward and hopefully, you know, it's done what it needed to do and give them and other people a little bit of courage and a little bit of bravery and people know about me. But, I want to be judged on playing football. I want to be known as a footballer. Mm
0: -hmm. Hopefully it will be fish and chip paper up in Grimsby. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can I ask you about playing as well and moving to London? Uh, You're now with Arsenal Ladies. If people don't know what summer transfers have been going on, that was your big switch. You've moved to the big smoky capital. Um, What was the motive behind doing that?
3: There was lots of reasons, really. Um, I've got to be brutally honest. I wasn't happy at Lincoln Mm -hmm. um, because I just felt like... We didn't really play the style of football that I wanted to play. Um the club weren't probably as ambitious as, as I'd like I'd like to have been. Um and we struggled last season. We, we you know, we were fighting for survival rather than fighting for silverware. We did really well to get to a cup final. Um, you know, we we we, we did fantastic to do that and we had some I had some great teammates there but Arsenal Ladies is one of the biggest clubs in women's football, not just in, in this country, in, in the world. So, you know, their ambitions match mine. They want to win things. I want to win things. It was great to be able to come back to London, you know, closer to my family, my friends, and also, you know, for for me, other opportunities outside of playing. So it was, it was a big draw. I liked Shelley, the manager. I loved all of her views. And for me, they train near a full time, so that was another mm. opportunity.
1: Were you concerned about some of the departures? Obviously, Steph Houghton going um, to um, Manchester City Ladies. Quite a few departures there. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, it, it, talking about managerial. Merry go rounds. It has been a bit of a merry go round before this WSL season <laughs> yeah. starts. Hasn't oh absolutely. It? I seemed, you know, I, I signed as everybody was leaving. I think they
3: lost six or seven out of their starting eleven, which is, is a massive loss for Arsenal. They're not used to that. But having said that, lots of players have changed clubs, there's a new challenge for everybody. Money's coming to the game now as well, you know, and people say, you know, oh, it's all about money. I completely disagree. If you're doing an office job and someone offers you ten grand to do it and someone comes and offers you thirty grand to do it, you're going to go to where the money is. Mm. It's a very, very short career. If you can have the opportunity to earn more money in a great club, you're going to do it. So I can't blame those players. I think they've gone for varying reasons. I don't think they've gone for money. I know that obviously Steph wanted to be closer to home, closer to family, and, and Man City's going to be an extraordinary club in women's football we've just signed two fantastic players. The that Japanese really duo. Me. Oh,
0: <laughs> I think, I was looking, again, I was back on the internet <laughs> doing my research. They look amazing. I was watching some YouTube clips as
3: well. For me, two two of the best signings that wow. in the league because yeah. they're both World Cup winners. They've both won Olympic medals and mm. World Cups. You know, they've got to be fantastic players. Well, they,
1: they really perform well at the Olympics and they were kind of the, the surprise package for me I think I think
3: for me they're one of the best technical teams that I've played against they moved the ball so well and I think they'll fit in really well into Arsenal because Arsenal are a, a team that like to play mm. get the ball down and play and two fantastic additions and, and to strength and obviously we, we lost Kim Little who's a massive loss not oh. just to us but to the league because, I'm a bit
1: of a Kim Little fan <laughs> yeah
3: well she's for me she's the, one of the best midfielders in the world yeah. without a shadow of a doubt you know I, I wish she was English so um, but having said that we've brought in Ono obviously a Japanese attacking midfield and a stroke forward so I think, mm. you know, it's almost like for
1: like in a way. Are we going to have commentary issues? Oh no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> I oh, no oh no, oh no, concede the ball. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully there won't be many oh no's because yeah. it's <laughs> hopefully,
0: hopefully will be winning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Oh, oh yes, oh no. <laughs> um, i, I- I think we'll leave it there for now if that if that's alright yeah, Can absolutely. I just
1: can I just give um, yeah. Casey's other half Megan Harris a quick plug because she's written some excellent blogs for us on the um, podcast website com called The Football Gene and we're hoping that she might start some vlogging for us I haven't spoken to her about it yet Casey <laughs> Oh are I'm you gonna... just announcing <laughs> this on the podcast? I'll get you to pass <laughs> it on uh, but I'm hoping that she'll be working um, a little bit more with her and if you've not checked them out go and check out Megan's blogs they're uh, called The Football Gene and it's all about keeping it in, in the family Yeah some a, brilliant ones as they say yeah, yeah. I'm biased, but they are brilliant. They, they, are, are, brilliant. Really they, they are really very good. very good.
3: Hi, I'm Matt Letitia, and you're listening to the Offside Rule... Three girls talking about football. Uh, we're on
0: now to topic number three. Hasn't time flown? Uh, jobbing footballers. We all know the story about Ricky Lambert, as I mentioned, the beetroot factory. Do I need to say it once more?
1: You <laughs> got in there. Uh, we want one <laughs> well, more example. you say I, I just think of beetroot. We. I, I just. I just can't help myself. Well, he ended
0: up scoring on his debut for England. What a turnaround! Mm. It's just still a nice story. So, uh, a few examples if you have them, but one as a minimum. Men's and women's football. So other careers. I think Casey's going to have quite a few here. Mm. I think she's going to show us up, so we might as well go straight to her.
3: (laughs) I'm going to go for female players to start with, um, and one that is absolutely brilliant, and if you ever got to know her, you would know that this role suits her down to the ground, and I'm sure she'll probably go back and do it when she's off-season. And it's Karen Bardsley. She was the person inside the Goofy costume at Disney World. Disney World, Florida? Absolutely. (gasps) Absolutely. I've probably she, got her to autograph she a my nickname.
1: book. Yeah. Is she nicknamed that, that anyway? Does anyone no, know about no, this, she's Casey? Just,
3: she's just called KB. I've seen a video of it. She's absolutely brilliant. And it doesn't surprise me because she is little bit weird and a little bit wacky and it is it is absolutely her and i think that's brilliant as a a second job
0: can i just correct what i just said because i said i might have got her autograph she's round about my age not much older and i didn't go to disney world last year and get some autographs this is when i was like 11 so it wouldn't have been her i hope not um
3: your other one my other one i'm gonna go for um Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, because before moving to England, he completed a year's national service in the Norwegian
1: army, Mm. which I thought was really
3: interesting.
1: I can't imagine him dressed up in army gear, can you? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I can actually. Um, Kate? Um, I've got a few here, so we'll just talk around these. Um, You mentioned Ricky Lambert working in a factory, so did Grant Holt. Um, Earlier in his career... Um, he uh, used to work in in, in the storeroom of um, uh, Cabahan and Grey in Carlisle. Not quite sure what, what they did I should have looked it up. But It yeah, wasn't a,
0: another beetroot factory? I'm I, No, 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 okay. no
1: it was just a factory. Okay, I'll have to find out what that particular factory did but Grant Holt also used to work in a factory. A couple of bricklayers, I know you've got one of these Lindsay but Miroslav Klose worked as a builder in a bricklayer before starting football and uh, whilst playing at FC Homburg uh, between the ages of 19 and 20. Of course he went on to go in a massive things like the um, World Cup 2002 where he claimed the golden boots so from bricks to golden boots that's kind of a rubbish link isn't it really well he didn't
0: have a brick in his boot did he well
1: (laughs) obviously not no unless that's how he was
0: uh, thwarting (laughs) all those defenders I don't know get some broken shins along the way I've also got the building trade covered here with my (laughs) male and female option I'm going to go with my women's footballer first and you probably know this already Rachel Williams is a plasterer she, she now plays for Chelsea Ladies, was for three years with Birmingham City Ladies, but now down in London as well. Um, have you ever thought, oh, you know what, I'm going to get some cheap trade
3: here? <laughs> do you know what? I, I've actually spoke to her about it before. And, you know, she's always said that if, if she can give me a good price, she'll come and do my house. And I also think it does her a favour on the pitch because she is as strong as an ox. But she's lifting 50, 60 kilo bags of plaster every day. So
0: Yeah, well, I, I don't mean to like get you to hand over hard-earned cash here, but yeah. you've just moved to London. She's just moved to London. You're going to have a new place, surely. <laughs> Absolutely. A bit of plastering I'm, work going
1: on there. I better get in touch, I think. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Sergio Torres was my other building, the connection. Um, when he was 22, playing fourth division football in Argentina, uh, he was working part time in his family's brick factory, apparently in really immense heat, 40 odd degree heat there in Argentina, slugging bricks around on his back. Wow. By the way, Casey Stoney, didn't you used to wash Dennis Bergkamp's underwear? I used to work in the laundry <laughs> at Arsenal.
3: Um yeah, so when I first moved to Arsenal, my job was working in the laundry. So we used to get the first team's kit washed and dried and ready for sort of sessions and games and stuff like that. It's a bit different to cleaning the boots, isn't it? It is a bit, isn't it? Just a tad. It was it was it was nice that the laundry lady there, Jean was was fantastic and uh, we used to get free lunch, so I was happy. Big up Jean. And your middle
1: name's Jean as well. It it is. Jean and Jean, wasn't it? It The laundry ladies. You've obviously done your research here. Your middle (laughs) name, your weight, date of birth. uh, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. I know all your vital stats. Um, When I was reading about you, I just saw Casey Jean Stoney and I thought, oh, that's Got a bit of a country and western it twang has to a bit, it. bit.
3: It's a bit American. Um, my mum opened the paper one day, and I think it was um, a president's daughter or, or a singer's daughter in America. Uh, so she named me Casey. My my nan's name was Jean. Stuck it together, and it does sound a little bit country and western. Casey
1: Jean uh, Ramirez, by the way, used to put in twelve-hour shifts at a building site near his home, which was about eighty miles away from Rio de Janeiro. And I mentioned Rio because Lindsay and I are going to the oh, World are you Cup. doing We're still that again? Very excited You're about doing it that again. And um, before he'd go to an evening's train. Cleaning. um Newcastle's Michael Richardson he is on loan at Accrington Stanley at the moment um in 2010 he was um well in fact when he left school at 16 he was working as an apprentice electrician for Newcastle City Council Ooh, mm, um, we've changed. gone. You've gone off track now for me because I was going to come in with another builder,
0: which I'm still oh, going to do. But you went on, on to cancel Sorry, it's not seamless anymore. <laughs> um, Jeff Horsfield was a bricklayer whilst playing non-league football. He netted thirty goals in forty games, helped Halifax Town get promoted. I'm not saying it was all down to him. No one's a one-man team or <laughs> one-woman team, as you know, Casey. Uh, but it was a big factor. Went on to play for Fulham, Birmingham,
1: <clears throat> West Brom. Um, the other one, well. It's um, kind of a bit of a loose connection, really. Yaya Sanogo played really well for Arsenal in that 2-1 win for them over Liverpool in the FA Cup. He had such bad injury problems, I think he fractured a tibia or something, um, that he very nearly quit football to work in his mum's post office. Oh. Hmm. See, all, my, all I ever
0: wanted to do was work in the newsagents and I did when I was you like... You did, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did it for ages and everybody else was working at like the big shopping centres getting much more money. Well,
3: I worked in McDonald's. I worked in Wimpy. I worked Blimey, you've had loads
1: of jobs. In a betting
3: shop. Yeah, I've had, I've, I've had loads. I've got one more female one for mm. you though. Sophie Bradley, uh, which might be common knowledge. She works in her parents' care home uh, looking after old people and um, oh. she paints their nails she does oh, their hair yeah. and she pretty much looks after them so I think that was that's quite a cute one that's really lovely oh
1: we liked it we could go movie. on forever that mm-hmm. was definitely
0: more than one each um <laughs> let's go on to get our foreign roundup for this week and it's all things French with Lord James
2: thanks girls Brazilian Ronaldo the original Ronaldo has said he would not rule out a senior position with Paris Saint-Germain namely director of football Ronaldo appeared on French TV this week and has said that he has a very close relationship with President Nasser al-Khalifi and is a personal admirer of the club. He said he considers himself an ambassador for the Parisians but is not in receipt of any money for this supposed role, perhaps clearly trying to get on the payroll, however. Meanwhile, Ezequiel Lavezzi has shown himself to be regaining some form for PSG lately with a goal against Valenciennes last week. It came days after his uncle was assassinated in his car in the striker's native Argentina. The tax issue in France has rumbled on, and Bordeaux were the latest side to have said that they will make a legal challenge against Monaco's tax-exempt status. They joined PSG, Olympique Marseille, and others in a battle for financial equity. An agreement between Monaco and the LFP, however, means Monaco can continue to sit outside France and reap all the benefits which come with that, including not paying taxes at the super 75% rate. Bordeaux President Jean-Louis Troyeau has said that the legislation is exorbitant. I do not call it tax peace, I call it a bad agreement between friends. And I'm sticking to that opinion, he told France Football. If you were hoping there was more from where goal sensation Paul Pogba came from, then you're in luck. He was at Saint-Étienne versus Marseille at the weekend to watch his brother Florentine in action and described him as a magnificent talent.
0: Thank you very much, Law. Well, we'll round everything off today. Thank you so much for coming in and talking to us, Casey. Have you enjoyed
3: it? It's been brilliant. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. I would love to come on again.
0: And also, just before the season starts, we were thinking maybe we can get you to do a Twitter takeover. Like, if oh, I get yeah. it on the podcast, Ooh, then it's it's, it's yeah. an agreement.
3: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. As long as the trolls stay away, I'm I'm, I'm up for that.
1: They yeah, will. Okay. They, they will. will. They will. Our followers are nice, aren't they? They're lovely. Mm, they're all nice. Um, so we thought maybe that that we could do a day in the life of Casey Stoney, um, particularly as you're preparing for a new season. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to, to, to get involved in that. It might be a bit boring, but I'm, I'm happy for it. <laughs> It'll again. never be boring. Just... Make some stuff up about your teammates. Yeah, that they well, won't
3: mind. Nah, women's football, you usually get that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: thanks so much. Uh, we'll be back next week. I think we've got Hayley McQueen back as well. So, well, she's in Thailand, sunning herself. She mm. sent a picture through to Lindsay and I first. It was about seven o'clock this morning. Not jealous I at all. So didn't. It wasn't what you that <laughs> it, you don't want to open that first thing in the morning <laughs> and, really and then don't. open your
3: door and it's raining. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: She's a busy lady. Next week with International Women's Day, so if we can grab her, we will. If not, we may have another guest. Yeah, thank you very much for listening this week. Goodbye for now.
2: The female take on football.